Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! I came in so early on that one. Oof. That's embarrassing. <laughs> this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we take a different artist and a different album from that artist, and we break it down. We do all of our do all of our research. We find out all the secrets about the record, and we let you all know. Uh, my name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there in the ether, is Jeff. Go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts because that means a lot. So please go do that. Um, <laughs> you can find us on uh, any social media app or almost any social media app, all the big ones at least, at Asinine Radio. Get into that. And uh, yeah, so what the fuck are we doing today, Jeff? Uh, we're doing Turnstile Glow On. Turnstile formed in Baltimore, Maryland in 2010 by uh, Brendan Yates on vocals, Brady Ebert on lead guitar, Sean Cullen on rhythm guitar, Freaky Franz Lyons on bass, Daniel Fing on drums. They currently have three full-length records, four EPs, and one demo. But the album we're doing today is Glow On. It's the band's third record, and it was released August 27, 2021. Uh, it features uh, Brendan Yates on vocals, Brady Ebert on lead guitar, Pat McCrory on rhythm guitar, Freaky Franz Lions on bass, and Daniel Fang on drums. Now, uh, now, Jeff, what are um, what's your origin story with Turnstile? What do you got? Go. <laughs> Turnstile came from from. Uh, it was just a random periodical 
post on Punk News. Yes. And yes. I thought these kids look cool. They're on a rooftop and they were like shirtless and they look fucking dope. They look they look hard, they look edgy, but there's a little I don't know, I can see some softness in their eyes. And for whatever reason, <laughs> that that reason alone, that picture alone made me go check Turnstile out. And they ended up being <laughs> fucking badass and phenomenal and that's that's it. No, like literally, Dude, that is it. Top, topless boys. Top, wait, tough topless boys with soft eyes. Tough topless boys with soft eyes. That is exactly what, what drew me to turnstiles. <laughs> as I'm going to be thrown in jail for that description. <laughs> but yeah, that that, that, so that was that was it. I don't know, man. They was they just they look dope. They look cool. They look. Look hard and edgy, but you know, like there's those eyes were hiding something. Lion eyes, you can't hide them. Lion <laughs> eyes. Wow. But yeah, that was that was it. I, that was like what three, four, five years ago. About. Yeah, it was. It was shortly after uh, nonstop feeling came out, and then we had just started the pod. I think when we did the episode, it was like right after we kind of discovered them, and so it had to have been like late 2016 early 2017 that we that we did it on the pod and we kind of got into them i think so i could be wrong yeah but I think that's yeah I, I, that's that's all i really remember i remember listening I'm like holy fuck this is really cool and then you, you liked them and you're like holy shit this is really cool and that's we've we've been away. there we've been there since almost the beginning almost yeah. yeah i mean i i honestly would not have heard of them if it wasn't for you because yeah, you you brought them to the pod. You brought one of their songs because, like you said, you found them on Punk News, and then you brought one of their songs to the podcast, and that's the first time I heard of them. And and then it was just like, I mean, fuck, man, we were just blown away by them. It was, it was unreal. Like they they're just like I've said before. They to me like they're this cool, or at least that record is just a cool combination of Rage Against the Machine, Faith No More, a little bit of suicidal tendencies. And that's what you got. That, that's turnstile right there. It's it's just that the kind of the coolest parts of all three of those bands on one record. That's what that's what nonstop feeling is. And that's what totally drew me into them. So, yeah, I guess. I mean, honestly, you and I have the, pretty much the same origin story, like four or five years or about five years ago. almost. So do you know what picture I'm talking about? Like, do you have any idea? I know exactly what okay. picture you're talking about. OK, yeah. OK, OK. Because <laughs> I, I only remember because I I found that specific picture to put as the artwork for that episode. <laughs> so that's probably what I'll do again for this episode. I'll probably find that same picture and use it as the artwork. Just I, don't, for I don't think I've seen that picture since like we've talked about it or whatever, but <laughs> it's probably not as cool as I, I remember it being. So I'm going to try not to look it at is. it again because <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty formative picture in my development with, in, with, with, with turnstiles. <laughs> so dope. I do remember a uh, friend of the pod, Tammy. She uh in the early days she she would listen to the podcast and she did listen to the turnstile episode because she really liked them. And that was the 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 one thing that she remembers from that the one takeaway was <laughs> the one takeaway was you saying that about the band and she just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Create the fucking creepiest way to get into a band like possible. <laughs> It's so dumb. It's so, dumb. <laughs> yeah, well. so anyway, we're we're not we're not doing nonstop feeling this episode, unfortunately. 
But we're doing Glow On. No, an not album unfortunately. That is an album that's just as good as Nonstop Feeling. Well, so, you think it's trash because you rated it well, as such, but that's fine. What do you mean? I rated it as such. You don't yeah, know my rating. I haven't you given you my, my rating as yet. Trash. I yeah. give you. I give you my ranking, but I have yeah. not given you my. Sorry, you right. You ranked it as trash. Correct. I ranked it as as trash number yes. two. That's fine. You know, we we can we can. Um, Go ahead. I don't, I was we trying can, to think of something stupid. But what, can, what can we do? Yeah, can, I don't know. Okay. I, I got nothing. All right. I, I'm I'm at a loss loss for words. There. All so, right. Uh, so Glow On, like I said, this is their third record. It came out just like a month and a half ago. And uh, this is, um, it's quite a departure from everything that they had done. But do we have any stinkers on this one? No. Not, okay. No. Agreed. No, 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 no. No, no, Agreed. no, no, no. No stinkers. Do we have any okay songs? I have I have a couple, but. Okay. I I don't know. They're only they're only okay for weird reasons, and I I I really don't have any okay songs. Everything's like a banger, maybe like like mm-hmm. bottom feeder banger at worst. Like the okay songs are are they're still really good, and I really really like listening to them. I just didn't rank them as a banger. All right. I don't know. So so I, I um know. I have I have zero stinkers. I have fifteen bangers. Oh, okay. That's what I got on this one. Okay, that's fine then. Yeah, I mean that—that's all that matters. Fifteen bangers. So, um, should we get into mystery because we already played it? What do you think? Or should we go start no, with our top bangers? Let's get into mystery. Is my two B. It is my two B. Okay. Mystery is my uh, is my eight B, but that's fine. Straight out the block from the gangster category. So, what do you got on this one? <laughs> First of all, we already talked about it. So, if we're if we're, if we're if we're jumping from time and space straight into mystery, this mm-hmm. is fucking weird. So I didn't. I I held off listening to this album in its entirety until I got my vinyls from you. Mm-hmm. And so the first time I heard this album was on the vinyls, and I I was I was blown away. I was just fucking mesmerized by how different, but also how the same this album is. And like mist- fist. Yeah. yeah, yes. Mystery is the first track, and if you're going from time and space to this, it's fucking bizarre. This intro is bizarre. It drops in very like alt rock sounding, mm-hmm. and like that bubbly bass that reminds me of something from like Stranger Things or something. It's just, it's a little unnerving, yeah. Oh, yeah. a little cliche, a little dumb, but man, the more. The more this is like a banana, like you know you want to get to the good <laughs> stuff on the middle, so you got to peel the layers. And peeling the layers itself un, unearths this this glory because like banana is a top two fruit for me. And so when you're peeling the banana, you know well, you're getting to something good. For you? It, An well, apple? It, it goes back and forth, but I think like a really good orange is just un, it's un. Oh, uh, okay. It's it's it's, yeah. it's unmatched. Like, but you got to get like a good juicy orange, one that you can bite into. And then rip apart, but not take like half of the fucking the pith, whatever you call the white part in between the juicy part of the orange and uh, but, then the the rind. But you always, but you always gotta have a, have to have a little bit of the white part. You do. You want a little bit of it. Like, but you don't want to like. You gotta rip. have that perfect balance. Yes, exactly. So get like a good orange is the most. It's one of the most perfect foods on earth. It's like God's perfect food. <laughs> it's solid. Yeah. It's so fucking good. But a banana is a close second. Like a good banana, also unmatched. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But anyway, sometimes when you peel the banana, you, your thumb, I, I, cause like, I peel it from the top. I'm not like one of those fucking new people. The monkeys peel it from the bottoms. You should peel it. No, those, fuck those people. They're dumb. I peel it from the top <laughs> where you're supposed to peel it. Sometimes when your thumb gets... Where the stem is. What are we talking about bananas too much for? You peel this, you peel this record back and you, you peel them back, <laughs> you peel them back these layers and you, you're left with this perfect fucking banana. I don't know why I'm still going on with this banana thing. Why? Why is this happening? <laughs> you brought it up. It's so stupid. You started with it. Oh you started my with God, the dude. It's, this, this, this song is a banger, dude. The, the verse This song vocals, is a perfect banana. This song is a perfect banana. I I love yeah. I love the bass line under the chorus. I, God, dude, the bass playing on this is just. I never knew the dude in Turnstile could play bass like this. And no knock to like nonstop or time and space, but he has never done anything like his bass playing on this ever. It oh is, yeah, totally, totally. I, like his bass playing is my his bass playing is my favorite part. The second part is just the overall production. But his bass playing is my favorite part of this album. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Fucking um, banana, dude. What are you talking about with the banana thing? <laughs> what is going so, on? It's so cool how like mystery, the first song, this first song, it starts out with that the happy synth. And then even the end of the record ends with the synth. The the same not the same exact synth part, but it's like in the same vein of that. Yeah. So like the the, the beginning and end of the record are just so just so fucking good and they just they go hand in hand it's it's just perfect and and like you said coming from from non-stop and time and space to glow on you wouldn't expect a song like this to come off of those two records because this song mystery is essentially a pop rock song yeah there's some screaming and some yells you know when they're when they're yelling all the mystery you know you got that there but overall it's a pretty mid-tempo melodic song like normally their mid tempo stuff tends to be heavier and and just more scream based but not this song it's it's more melodic than anything else so transitioning into into this song is it's crazy like to see a band change this much but still sound so um so i don't want to say emotional but i guess passionate or just so intense like no matter how melodic this band has ever been all of their songs and all of the parts of those songs are intense to varying degrees, but they're all intense and they keep you captivated. Like I've never been bored from any turnstile song, even like the quietest shit, like some of the, qui- the, the, the quietest song they've ever done is on this record, the second to last song, but it still captivates me. Like I, I can't not listen to it. So, Oof. and th- and that's just this, this song too. It, it's such a, it's a great way to start the record because it has has it has everything Turnstile has done, but more of what this record is about with the melodic stuff because this record is way more melodic than their first two records. So this is a great way to start out this record and a great great sequencing, honestly. And with with the the th- first three songs, you couldn't get better sequencing than the first three songs. I will say that. I agree on this record. I agree. I I like I said. One of my favorite things about this is the production is is what is going on, and mm-hmm. I think like having electronic drum parts, having electronic percussion parts underneath a real kit allows for the heavy and hard edge of turnstile to be in the front, but just adding a layer behind them, just adding something to unpack, and whether it be yeah. some like 
reggaeton sounding shit or some weird synth driven airy song this album never loses its hardcore punk edge but it's just polished better and like the best way i could i could describe this is if like 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 any any cool knife like a k-bar like like a like a marine corps knife if you mm-hmm. if you if you think of a k-bar and then like if you look at a picture of a k-bar if you know what a k-bar is k-bar is like a usmc fucking knife like that is a knife it is it's a bear grills knife and and you think of a, a a knife from like the 60s or 50s or 40s compared to now like the difference of the knife is is it's still super sharp it's still going to last forever but the knife now is super shiny but it still mm-hmm. serves the same purpose it's still going to cut whatever you want to cut it's still going to stab whatever you want to stab and this this album is like a shiny knife because it's still hard. It's still got that edge, and it's still the same knife as it was 60, 50 years ago or two albums ago. But it's just polished up a little better. But it's oh, not. Yeah. But it's not polished up to where you're putting like lipstick on a pig. It's polished up to where like, damn, you guys did real good. It's like that girl from She's All That. Like, remember Freddie Prince pretending like that girl who <laughs> wore the glasses wasn't attractive, but then she put on a dress, yeah. and all of a sudden, like, holy fuck, the '90s blew their mind. That's what this album is. It's just it, <laughs> I know, know it, I mean? it's like they choose like a really attractive girl to play that role. It's like you just put on, glasses man. on her, and, and, and everybody <laughs> thought, everybody thought, and like every 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 kid had a crush on that girl too. Dude, that's what this this Pretty album stupid. is just. This album is just unbelievable to me because there's so much production in this, and there really is. And the guy Mike yeah. Elizondo has a huge. A huge yeah, report I, I did card. I want to talk about him. A huge report card of just like production and, and coming from like the hip hop realm, coming from the pop realm, coming from just rock and soul and everything he's done. Like the guy dives in and they record mm-hmm. this like at his studio in, in fucking like Tennessee or some shit. Yeah. Some, some yeah. place and I have nobody ever wants to go to probably. I don't know. But. <laughs> There's just a lot of production on this. And this is a hardcore punk band. This is a hardcore punk band. And that scene doesn't want this. That scene is known for not having this. But this album, my God. Like, it again, makes it okay. Going back to what I said, this is electronic drum parts underneath a real kit. Which sounds mm-hmm. fucking stupid. Which sounds like, what? what's the point? But it works. It works so perfectly here. I kind of wonder, does it work because turnstile were were, i mean prior to this record they were just so well respected within the scene so when they throw out something more pop more pop rock it's okay i'm kind of wondering yeah this like have we all been kind of duped a little bit because we we loved turnstile so much prior that it's okay that they put that we're more accepting of this style yeah this this is kind of a band that now can do no wrong because we know where they came from and this, there are overall, this is a hardcore punk album that has been dressed up as a pop punk rock album. But yeah, yeah. at its base, the distortion is heavy. There's sometimes fuzz there. There are songs that are so aggressively fast, and they're throwing in so many chords in the choruses and the verses that none of it makes sense, and it sounds like they're about to fall apart. At its <laughs> essence, this is a hardcore punk album. But it's dressed mm-hmm. up damn nicely, like the she's all that girl coming down the stairs. <laughs> you know that scene. Everybody knows that scene. No, I know exactly. Yeah, I mean, come on, How stupid you, fucking. If, if you grew up, if, if you grew up in the know. 
If you grew up in the nineties, you everybody knows that fucking scene. Okay, that girl. Oh yeah, that girl that was hot before is now still okay. Okay, it makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> dumb. Whatever happened to her? I wonder. I don't, know. I don't think I, she was in any other movie. Yeah, that's a Freddie Prince Jr. movie. Ago. Come on. <laughs> 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 Whatever happened to him? Is he still married to Sarah Michelle Gellar? Are they still yeah, together? I think so. Yeah, I yeah, think so. Good for them. Well, no, he was he was the uh, he was the voice for uh, Scooby Doo, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Or, he was Fred. Uh, he was Fred. He was Fred. No, or he was Fred, Fred. Yeah. Shaggy and, and was. And then he uh, was the guy from Scream. The that's right. Yeah. But then college. he was all. He was the voice on uh, Clone Wars, on the on the TV show Clone Wars. Who was he in the Clone Wars? He wasn't Anakin. Who was he? He was somebody big on the show. Now I want to fucking know. Oh damn! Let's see, Freddie Prince. He was somebody big on the show. Junior what's, Star what's Wars. the guy? What's the guy's name who plays Shaggy? Matthew Lillard. Oh, yeah, yeah, from uh, from SLC Punk and yeah, what's the, what's the one with uh, Hackers as well? Remember Scream. Hackers? <laughs> <laughs> and he went to Fullerton Junior College. Did he really? No way. Yeah, he graduated from Fullerton <laughs> Junior College. That's like their claim to fame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he played uh, he played Kanan in. Um, and Rebels, not he wasn't on Clone Wars. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't watched Rebels yeah, yet. He Spoilers. wasn't Rebels, but he, he played the main character, or not the main character, but one of the bigger characters on the show. Anyway, uh, so we're, oh, so we're back. We're, to, we're talking um, about the production. We were getting the production yeah. out of the way. The, Mr. So Elizondo. Let, let, let's get into to to Mike Elizondo real quick. So yeah, this guy he was pretty much a protege of Dr. Dre. Yeah, and he co-wrote the real Slim Shady. He he was there when when Dr. Dre. Him and Dr. Dre met Eminem together, yeah. and then he he has a he ha, he's a co-songwriter on the real Slim Shady, uh, on that particular song. I mean, but he's been on so many other things. He has a he was a co-songwriter on In the Club from Fifty Cent, and uh, also Just Lose It from Eminem as well, and just so many fucking bands. Carrie Underwood, Maroon Five, like huge, huge artists, and then he was worked with bands like Avenged Sevenfold. So like the the difference in like all the different I mean all the different styles he's worked in is pretty remarkable like to go from Dr. Dre Eminem to Turnstile and everything in between that's pretty nuts it's, he's just a guy that's been everywhere yeah like you said he's been into the heavy hip hop world he helped write Rich Girl by Gwen Stefani he's been in the pop mm. world he's been in the rock world he's been in the soul world he's been in everything and he's been everywhere and he just seems like, I mean, I don't know the guy. I don't know nothing about him. But the way people talk about him, everyone's just, they did, they don't like praise his, his stuff like highly. Just like, oh, yeah, he's a really fucking cool dude. Uh, he's great. Mm-hmm. I love working with him. Like everybody likes this guy. He's just been in everything. And he does a lot of things that are really, really good. And so yeah. coming into this, where there is a lot, a lot of electronic elements to this album, and Mystery starts it. And this album could turn bad very, very fast from Mystery. Mystery is like adequately titled. Mystery could be a mystery for the album. Like from this, it could turn to shit. It could turn into some weird 80s wannabe sin thing, or it could turn into some weird 90s alt rock stuff. But yeah. but like it doesn't. It's just like Mystery is such a perfect opener for the album because it's 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 letting you it's it's introducing all of the concepts like sonically of what they're going to explore. 
throughout the rest of the yeah. album, and it does such. It's like a good thesis statement for the album. Yeah, it is. We say that a lot too <laughs> about, does, about it certain records. Oh, it doesn't happen a lot, but we do say it a lot. Yeah, that's Cause, true. Because when because ha- an opening song is so powerful, you know, it's, it can it's, be so important, and it can fucking ruin an album. You could destroy an album with a bad intro. It could destroy yeah. an album. You're already setting off on the wrong foot. It's like your leadoff batter striking out. And I mean baseball. If you want to talk about <laughs> yeah. baseball, yeah. of course, yeah. You got to bring up baseball every episode. Yeah, right? absolutely. Especially for our guys, you know, in overseas, you know, yeah, they, they love they baseball. Love I'm sure they love, the love baseball. Of course, they love baseball. <laughs> people in Australia, our love Japanese it too, sure. listeners love baseball. The only other country outside the Korean, of like the Korean outside of like Dominican Republic and Cuba. Oh yeah. Oh, dude, the Dominicans. <laughs> are you kidding me? They love baseball. Just saying. Oh Just boy. Saying. But yeah, this mystery is a fucking dope song. It's my two B. Okay. So what do you got? Um, what do you got lyrically on this one? Honestly, I wanted to go back and and read up on the lyrics for um, fucking time and space and nonstop feeling. Nonstop. Because when we were doing nonstop feeling, we weren't quite lyric men at the time. No, it was it was in the very like old old format of the show. Yeah. So and, and reading the lyrics on this one, I was surprised. I you you. I yeah, was what? sorry. I was surprised. I was like, "Holy shit! These are not what I thought they were going to be. They're a little bit deeper than what I thought they were going to be. They're a little bit more sad, a little bit more depressed, a little bit more melancholy than what I thought it was going mm-hmm. to be. I thought it was just going to be I am the Avalanche style, drinking with the homies, hanging out. <laughs> yeah, that's what you would think. Yeah, absolutely. But it wasn't. And and mystery. Um, I like this is a song that I thought was just about being afraid, like in general, in life, the uncertainty of everything feeling anxious and scared mm-hmm. and and it was weird yeah i lyrically on this one i, I kind of got the same thing i thought it was i thought it was more about like a relationship running its course because the excitement's all gone the mystery is gone from the from the relationship it's become stagnant and it's boring and that's what this song to me is, that that's kind of what i thought but i do agree with you i feel like the lyrics are deeper than i would have ever thought but there aren't a lot of lyrics. He no, it's a, it's a lot of repetition. It's a lot of shouting. Yeah, a lot of it. Very Rage Against the Machine, you know? There's a lot of comparisons. I mean, a lot of some of the reviews I, I read, there's a lot of comparisons to like Rage and Incubus and 311 and New Metal and 90s alt rock. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> Just Go fuck yourselves. Nothing like that. Elevate, guys. Elevate. They do, though. It's... Yeah, there are comparisons to all of said bands, but mm-hmm. this is not like a ripoff or a bootleg no, of any no, of no, those no, bands. No, no. This is this is something entirely new. This is a band that probably grew up listening to those. I think we're a little bit older than these guys, from what I what I'm gathering. Yeah, it seems like it. But still, like they they, I mean, we grew up like in that scene, but these guys grew mm-hmm. up listening to the oldies of that scene, and so they know. You know they knew three eleven. Everyone knows what fucking three eleven is, and and there are a lot of similarities to three eleven in some of the softer reggae inspired beats. A lot of the bass parts are inspired by that, but three eleven itself is just a rip off of older band. Even you could say the rip off of the Police. Like it's just. Oh yeah, yeah. Now we're just like going back and back and back and back to like the birth of music, and for whatever that's that's dumb. And so there's a lot of hate for this album. 
And there's a lot of people that say this album. I didn't see a lot of hate for this one. Yeah, I I specifically went out because I love this album so goddamn much. And I'm it's you know (laughs) spoilers, but this is gonna get a pretty good score. So I I I specifically searched out why this album sucks. I said turns I I typed in turnstile glow on overrated turnstile glow on overhyped (laughs) sucks. I did all these to see what all these haters have to say, and they all said the same thing. They're all they're all saying the same thing. Like this is just. A reimagining of Rage Against the Machine, and I just I'm like, dude, you're Whoa, missing. Yeah. Like, first of all, that's you're missing the entirety of this. Like, lyrically, this is the complete opposite of what Rage is doing. Not because these guys don't care about political issues, but this is more introspective. This is more meditative. This is more depressed, sad, melancholy. Yeah. More feelings rather than call to action like Rage was. This is not nearly yeah. as heavy as anything Rage has ever done. This is not supposed to be as near, nearly as heavy. So agreed. I mean, the, the influence obviously is there, but I it would never yes. say they're. I would never ever say that they're a uh, a ripoff of of Rage or they're trying to copy Rage. I mean, it's they're they're just one of those those few unique bands that are, or rare unique bands that that are all you can. They're just a band that has never stolen from another band. They they're a band that clearly shows their their who they've been inspired by but have never stolen from them. Yeah. And that's yeah. I mean most bands can't can't claim that. That's you know, you can always perfect. make that comparison. That's perfect. That's what you want to do. You want to show who you've been inspired by without ripping them off. And that's exactly what Turnstile does. Yeah. There are parts where I do hear rage, yes. But I mean, that's like any band that tries to get aggressive and political at the same time. Yeah, and and it's crazy too because on this record, there are moments that remind me of The Cure, and I would have never, for 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 a band like Turnstile, never would have thought I would have heard something that's that rem- that is reminiscent of The Cure, and that's I'm really only saying that like with like the guitar tones and and different things like that and different songwriting styles are kind of similar to The Cure, but I would never would have thought Turnstile would have done that, never ever. It's such a this this album is such a departure for them, but in all the positive ways. And I rarely say that about about a band because a lot of bands will will change their style and think it's good just because they changed the style. But just because you change doesn't make it good. And we've seen that we see that. But with also, bands. just because like you change doesn't make it bad. It's just you, that's a, that point doesn't mean yeah. anything. Well, I mean, but most, but a lot of I'd say probably seventy eighty percent of the time. Bands think just because they change their their music should be loved and liked, but that doesn't make it a good record just because you change. But no matter but this what, this is one of those, I, those examples am, where it does work. I would I would vote for a group that compl- like this. If this failed, I would vote for this over the like I don't know another Dropkick album, another like Van Weezer, like any any of these okay, these yeah. big bands that come out with something and like. The new Dropkick album I thought was good. The new NoFX album I thought was good. The new Weezer album, Van Weezer, I thought it was great. But, yeah. like, it's my God, dude. It's the same fucking thing. It's still good, but if this failed, I'd still vote for somebody that tried and failed over someone that just put out the same shit and did really well. I'd still yeah. vote for the person that failed because I, I, I think I think life is all about taking chances. I think playing it safe, I think riding the fence just gets us into this weird state of mediocrity. and this. It's just not somewhere I want to be. So no matter, what, a, no matter what, no matter what, I'm always going to someone though. that tries. A tray who never look did anything like great except for for butterfly buttholes and whatever it's called. 
butthole kisses. Whatever. <laughs> I kept calling it something that episode. No, it was uh, suicide notes and butthole kisses. That's what that's what it was. Yeah. Butt ki- no, butt kisses. I think it was just butt kisses. Oh, suicide butt notes and butt yeah, kisses. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, right. no, but like that's like literally that's the only Atreyu album that I think is actually good. But you like the curse as well, don't? I did like it, there. yes, but I mean, I'm like, nah, it's fine, it's fine. You're wild. It's not. It's it's fine. I'm always going anyway. to reward. I'm always going mm. to reward ingenuity. I'm always going to reward reward award. I guess both. Uh, no, you award. do both. I guess award. It depends on. I would say in this in this context, it would be award. Taking chances A-W-A-R-D. does not automatically mean you're bad. Does not automatically mean you're good. But it does it does automatically give you points. But if you're bad, I'm gonna say you know what I'm gonna give you points because you tried. But you that fucking sucked and don't do that again. <laughs> but you did, but you tried. Silver star, silver star. That's third place, right? Yeah. No. Is it? Yeah. Silver, silver star was second place. No, silver. Yeah, you're right. What's third place? Bronze. Bronze. There you go. Bra- or copper. Isn't copper worth more? No, copper. Oh. No, no. Bron- bronze is always third. But like copper is worth what? more than bronze. What the fuck is bronze? Is it though? I don't know what bronze is. People steal copper all the time from housings and shit. Well, that's true. But maybe they don't steal bronze because nothing's made out of bronze. Because it's stupid. <laughs> Just say. <laughs> what is your 1B? Oh, my God. My 1B is Blackout, the second song. Blackout. Black Blackout. Out. Okay. <laughs> Great transition from the first one. I mean, it's the Beautiful fast transition. Riff. It's uh, yeah, fast riff comes in singing. Great melodic part, um, and then it's just that that almost kind of electronic sounding beat too that just kind of goes along with it all. Ugh, it's so good, and the 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 simple lead guitar part in the chorus just puts this song on another level. I love it. Cowbell, the cowbell too. So good. Man, that so is good. something that is so annoyingly good about this record is that fake cowbell. Is that because it, it cannot be real? It just sounds too processed to be to be real. And that, <laughs> there's songs later on in the album that have it, that feature it, that revolve around it. That cowbell's part, and I hate that I love it so much. But blackout, blackout's my six B. Blackout's my six B. Okay, but but mystery is your two B. Dude, honestly, like like. I don't know. Man. It was like, so hard to beat. To, it was so hard to beat all these. My my it's, my ten B's so could could easily change to from one to ten in a heartbeat. My my bottom five B's are probably gonna stay the same, but my ten mm-hmm. B's for sure could could change in like a heartbeat. But I agree. I I I like <laughs> I like how this song is is one of those tracks that is like reminiscent of electronic sound, mm-hmm. and it's it's presenting itself as an electric. Like, hey, here's an electronic uh, song. But then it keeps it real, and it's fucking heavy. That lead guitar that's hitting the same melody after Brendan sings mm-hmm. it. Like, what are you doing, dude? What's going on? I know. And then there's that cool breakdown piece at the end. Then it kind of like speeds up a little bit afterwards. Like, it's just it's unreal. It is unreal. And I like how the intro part is a little broken with the, like the vocal delivery. I think this song is an absolute banger, and it is a perfect song to follow mystery. Yeah, no, I agree. I like I was saying earlier too, the the first three songs just it's the perfect like trilogy to start out this record because it's it's it it hits all the highs and lows and in the intro and the outro. It's it's like it, you you prog- like the first song. Yeah, it's more pop rock. The second song, you get you get into the faster stuff and a little bit heavier. Like part way through the song or like toward the end, 
and then the third song don't play it's just like a straight up hardcore punk song like you're just building and building and building and then it just kind of like tapers off like in all the good ways like it's just and then it, and then it kind of slows down into to underwater boy where it's it's just so happy like the Oof. the ups and downs of this record are just remarkable like the first three i guess four songs too but the transition between don't play and underwater boy are pretty drastic but yeah there's some highs and some you know lows but in the good way like some lows good in the lows. quiet ways yeah yeah so uh let's play a little bit of blackout and then we'll get into that and the lyrics a little bit more so here we go blackout from turnstile There you go blackout from turnstile and uh dude that that bridge dude with the cowbell like we were talking about the cowbell <laughs> and then just it's it's the drums and the bass right there that bass line is just so kind of simple and but it damn it works so well with this song i just so, love it dude it's so it's so ballsy to use a cowbell in like the hardcore punk scene like you <laughs> Yeah, and, and then not be taken not serious, and turns out mm-hmm. are a very serious band. Even though like everything I watched from them, everything I read from them, they're not very serious guys, but their music is very serious. It comes across serious, and it's just it's fucking bizarre how you can incorporate cowbell into hardcore punk music, mm-hmm. and then also incorporate electronic in a huge producer and a big and like I mean I mean. Roadrunner label itself is is a subsidiary of Warner of Elektra, of a, it, so mm-hmm. they are signed to a big label, for whatever that's worth, and take that for yeah with a grain of salt, I guess. But this band is as uh, I don't know, man. They keep their roots really, really well. They they stay grounded really, really well, and they and they just have an insane fan base. Any live footage you've seen of this band just goes off. I mean. I haven't seen I haven't seen crowds and like that 
since we were growing up in the early 2000s. Yeah. Like maybe mid 2000s. Like when it was like a few days after this record came out, I was just on YouTube and I just typed in turnstile just to kind of just check it out, like live stuff. And I mean, a show from like right around when this record came out, they they were like fucking rushed. Like the whole stage was rushed with people and the band didn't care. Like they just played their shit. And I mean, I would have to say hundreds of people were cycling on and off the stage within like a, a 20 minute span. Hundreds of people just jumping on stage and then jumping right back off. And it was, I mean, I just, I have not, I honestly have not seen anything like that since we were growing up. Since like we were just out of high school, like like seeing yeah. like I don't know bands that was like the like, end of it. That was like the end of it all. Seeing it was like bands right after we, like we finished high circa school. play and seeing how many people were constantly there, and I don't know. It's, it's like it's fucking weird. And yeah. now we're in a in a time where music, live music, is 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 endangered. It's like this fucking dodo bird that's going to go extinct at any given time. To yeah. still see people come out in droves to watch a band that is not—they're not—they're not a major label band. They're Roadrunner, which is again a subsidiary of Elektra, a subsidiary of Warner. They're a mask of a big label. I don't know, yeah. man. It's—it's it's very telling, and we're very negative on the live music industry in general. So it's—it's—it's mm-hmm. it's, it's good to see bands like this still pulling. It's so cool. It's so fucking cool. I, I I love it. I absolutely love it. So mm. lyrically, what do you have on blackout? So first of all, I like I like the rhyming pattern of the first two lines. So mm-hmm. the the first two lines are blackout in the middle of the light, and now I'm back down with a feeling and I collide. Those those two <laughs> first lines. There's like three different rhymes happening, and I think yeah. that's. And again, like I wanted to, I didn't. I wanted to go back and see nonstop feeling in time and space to see if, if this guy's got some chops as far as like the rhyming schemes go, because that those two lines alone make me think that even though they're a little goofy, a little, a little superficial, there is mm-hmm. a little bit of depth to them and the mid rhymes, the beginning rhymes and then rhyming light with collide, which he does. I That's think it's fantastic. Ballin, yeah. It's fucking yeah. good. Like he's doing things that, I mean, I'm going to throw names out here. You're not going to like them. But he's doing things that like Bob Dylan does. He's doing things that, that like big names do. Like mid-rhyming stuffs, rhyming yeah. things in the middle of each sentence, one and two. That's that's something that's that's been done. That's fine. But it's not easy. And then to make it make sense is also not easy. But then to make... The last word rhyme is also not easy, but then making the last two words rhyme for two different sentences that when you read them individually do not rhyme at all is just mm-hmm. another layer of rhyming. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. It's his delivery too. He's like blackout. Like he just that uh, 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 uh. He he's very he's very like stuttering. It's those glottal stops. He's using the glottal stops. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. It's not the glottal stop. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Is, is glottal stop the most ugly phrase in all of English? It is, it is it terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and you only discovered it like in the last couple of years. I know. It makes me so happy. Any chance I can use glottal stop, I will 100% all, all day. But it doesn't even relate to this. It's not even a glottal it's, stop that he it's uses. It's a little uh, 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 
in the middle. No, but he's not even like. I'm adding. But it's uh, barely that. Ah. And then, and then, but like overall, the song sounds a little lonesome. I, I think it's about feeling down, depressed, and then feeling that people who should be there for you aren't. Because mm-hmm. he talks about his plight in the Culver's, right? His suffering is someone else's gain. And yeah. I think like overall, this album is presented the pink packaging, the the complete departure from their norm. I think this, I think the album is, as in general, is just about, I don't know, feeling like. I don't want to say depressed because it's such a, a, a negative thing to feel. And everybody feels depressed at some points in their day, in their life, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think like overall this album is very melancholy. It's very sad feeling. But yeah. in like an okay way. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I was I was surprised by his lyrics. They were uh, melancholy is the best way to put it. Uh and but I, I did find his lyrics very hard to decipher. Like I, I just I can't I a lot of the time I I don't know what the hell he's talking about. And I tried. I really I mean I would read through his lyrics. Not that he has a lot, but I would read through him over and over again, but it was hard I, for me dude, to I, I, I loved I loved jumping into his lyrics this week because I found them to be very very I I am sad, but I'm okay. Kind of feeling. Mine, yeah. And I feel like it's it's I feel like what what he touches upon lyrically overall on this record is either about a failed relationship, whether that be with a, a girl or with a friend, is either that or maybe some substance abuse here and there, if not just straight up, you know, depression and such. I think all but, but like out of the 15 songs, I think all but like four or five, I feel were just about just not feeling happy. And not yeah. not like an alarming depression where we need to alert the authorities. Just like like he feels it's okay to be sad, and he's letting everybody know that he's sad. But at the same time, he thinks he'll be okay because this is just kind of the ups and downs of life. Because he also talks about the ups and downs of life in other songs, mm-hmm. and I think like overall, this was just a very a very vulnerable, a very real album. It was highly processed and, and, and goofy in his presentation, but like if you just listen to it a couple of times, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like this is the most real album I've heard in, in, in many, many years. Yeah, and then you, you throw in the album cover with the pink and white clouds mixed with the very de- fucking ugly. depressive lyrics. But it's also like you, you have this happy-looking album with these very depressive lyrics mixed with the heaviness of the record. It's... The cover, I feel like the cover perfectly represents the record or what the record, I don't know. Not the not the way the record doesn't sound, but I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Pink, pink is, pink, growing up, we associate pink with just being easy, with being fair, with being lighthearted, with being trustworthy, right? Like Easter, yeah. there's a lot of pastels in pink. And the the cover itself is like a pastel pink. It's not a hot pink, which I love hot yeah, pink. Yeah. One of my favorite colors. But it's a pastel pink. And so and then add that to like clouds and just like an overall airy kind of thing. You're very trusting. You're very on. You, you, your guard is down. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is very, okay, I'm, I'm trusting this. Let's see what happens. And then it starts off with mystery. And it's like, okay, I could see how this, 
Hall and Oates styled fucking cover sounds like this also arpeggiated synth sounding intro to mystery. And then again, bringing it back to the banana, these layers get peeled back. <laughs> and all of a sudden you got this banana sticking straight up in the air, ready to get eaten, ready to get munched on. Man, the, the way you just described that just sounded way Disgusting. worse. Disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because we actually froze a banana because Renee, with her stomach thing, she froze a banana. And then we, we forgot or she forgot that it was in there till today. So he pulled out half of a frozen banana. And, of course, the first thing I do, I was like, oh, why'd you put this in here? Because you didn't want a banana at the time, but you wanted a banana later or something? And <laughs> like the whole Mitch Hedberg thing. And Yeah. yeah. I forgot how he said it, but I said it, I said it right when I said it to her, but she didn't laugh. And then I threw, I threw it at the dog. So she just didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. I threw it at the dog, and the dog liked it and took it outside. But then it melted into some nasty fucking thing. Ooh. And it stunk. Oh, I bet. That's, yeah, bananas are... Bananas are only good for about 20 seconds. What does he and say? then after he said, that... He said, hey, Mitch, do you want a banana? I said, no, but I do want one later. No. Mm, mm. But he's not talking about a banana. He's talking he's about, about a... Frozen banana. He says, do you no, want No, he's Mitch, not talking a frozen- about... A, no, he's talking about grapes. No, it was about a grapes banana. And wine. No, he's talking about grapes and wine. You're thinking about the grape and wine joke. What was he saying then? I don't, I don't remember, but it's about grapes and wine. That's what it's about. Fuck. I thought it was a banana. I was like, Mitch, do you want a, do you want a, a banana? And he's like, no, but I do want one later, so freeze it. But that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't say that, does he? I don't think so, because now that I'm saying it again, it doesn't make It didn't make sense when Renee <laughs> didn't laugh, but I thought she was just didn't get on the joke, but now when I say it again, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it, it's a grape and wine joke that he says. I don't remember what it is, though. Whatever. Some bitch. Okay. When you're editing <sighs> right, this, so you'll look it up. What? So when you're editing this pod, you'll look it up and then... I probably will, and then I'll text you about it. Yeah, what's... So what, what do you got th- for your 2B? My 2B was Mr. We haven't talked about 1B yet. Oh, then... Wait, no. We did. You don't know Why my 1B, Why did we talk bro? about my 1B first? What is because, your 1B, then? Because I asked, and you, you, you responded. Oh. What do you got for your 1B? My 1B. This song fucking blew me away. I was... Oh, no. I was entranced. I I didn't even know what to think. I was so, it's so weird. It's so different than anything they've ever done. It's it's so fucking bizarre. And that's underwater boy. I knew it. Boy. I knew it. <laughs> that's I, my three B. Underwater boy is my three B. Dude, I just don't get it. I it's a strained intro, and I don't. I didn't think that they'd be able to pull this off. And so when I was listening to this on the vinyls, I was like, dude, this song sounds dumb. There's no way that they can turn this into a cool fucking song. There's just no way. And the bass slides in, and then it turns into this fucking just absolute killer rhythm song. Amazing melody. And there's a ton of like hip-hop elements to this one. And this is when I really, really realized that this album is different. This album is a weird mashup of like hip-hop, soul, funk, psychedelic rock, everything. And this song... Mm-hmm has all of those elements to it. The song is everything. This song is this song is so fucking weird. This song is so abstract. It's so outside of the box that I think the song is is the most bizarre and like the best thing that they've ever written because like they all had to be perfect on this song. If any one of them lagged, if the bass player didn't throw down such a groovy bass line, if the drummer didn't have such a hip-hop soul-inspired beat 
if everybody wasn't on their money on this one, then it just wouldn't have been so good. And it features two different people on it too. Who does it feature on? So, so supposedly it features Justin Tripp, which is the singer for Angel Dust, and has been other on oh, other okay, Turnstile yeah. albums, and then Julian Baker. Oh, the yeah, what's uh, yeah her? Um, I only know that? Julian Baker because people in our our uh, vinyl group on Facebook talk about her a lot, and then I have a, a subscription to. I don't know when I got it, why I got it, but I have a subscription to a magazine that is essentially that indie rock, alt rock scene, like Phoebe Bridgers, mm. Julian Baker, that stuff. So I get a, I get one magazine every three months about all of this. So I read about her and how much people <laughs> love her. But I think her music is... You think it's okay? At best. Not even okay. Like <laughs> me. It's like right below. It's barely listenable. <laughs> But yeah, dude, I, I think Underwater Boy is just, I, I think it's, I don't know, man. I, I love that they can add just a bunch of distortion and fuzz and change up the song enough to be exciting, but still keep that, that same feeling to it. This this song is, is unbelievable. I thought this song was unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's a very pop-oriented, happy-sounding song, but then it, it, it quickly transitions into like the chugging palm-muted guitars. But then the way it just kind of the way it goes back and forth in between the the higher to lower parts, it's uh it's pretty fucking genius. It's very simple. It's not they don't they don't do anything complicated. It's it just jumps very seamlessly, and I just love the the I just love the clean delay and reverb guitar sounds. I feel like it just it adds it's just, it it was something I wouldn't expect from them at all, and this is such a such an outlier you know you get three songs into it you're just kind of getting punched in the face with the 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 craziness of it the how heavy it can be at times how fast it can be at times and then you get this it's this is kind of like this is the the blue by you of this record there are a couple other songs that are similar but this is the blue by you for this one it's just so it's so out there it's so unexpected i love it though I would I would I would like kind of agree. I think there's three songs on this album to where even even after, you know, three songs deep, I'm like, dude, this is so fucking bizarre. I cannot believe they pulled this this album off. And then Underwater Boy, I'm like, what the fuck? This is even weirder than the weird. But then there's yeah. a couple other songs too that I also think are are like, What the fuck is going on? But Why they just, do I love they, this? They balance the album out so well. So like you have this weird the the, the strangeness of something that they've never done or really done. And then it goes right back into what you would want from turnstile. It's just this great balance of the styles and it's fantastic. It really is fantastic. Just saying. So should we play a little bit of uh, underwater boy? You play a little bit of it. Here we go from uh, turnstile. <laughs>
There you go. Underwater boy from Turnstile. You know the, God, the voice? Dude. The voice? I <laughs> I know it's supposed to be, uh, wait, what's her name? Julian Baker, right? I think, or it could be the Justice Trip. I, well, either or, yeah. It could yeah. be. I honestly, until right now, I thought it was like a, uh, just like they, they kind of modulated his voice <laughs> to make it sound higher. To be like nasally and annoying. Yeah. It didn't even like cross my mind that it could have been somebody else. I just thought they ran his voice through like a, like a filter or like a, a, a pedal or something to make it That's sound fair. higher. That's fair. I mean, this electronics That's and really stuff. That's fair. That's fine. Well, I mean, considering also, you know, there are a lot of electronic moments on this record. Yeah. So it's not outrageous to, to come to that conclusion. Yeah, who cares? Julian Baker, honestly, dude, like Phoebe Bridgers thing, fucking boring, so boring. <laughs> and people love Phoebe Bridgers. I just don't. I get it. I get why people think they like her and that she's just awful. She's so fucking boring. You know who I was thinking of? Um, Ju- when I first read Julian Baker, I was thinking of uh, what? Who's the guy from The Strokes? Julian. Oh, Casablancas? Yeah, that's who I was thinking it was. Oh, that'd been so good. <laughs> no, it wouldn't do. It'd be like, talk about a fucking under, overrated band. Yeah, you're right. They're an underrated band. Overrated band. 100%. Overrated band. I think Is This It is underrated. Absolutely. Talk about an overrated band. Oh, my God. All right. So, so Underwater Boy, what do you got lyrically on this one? But like, okay, first of all, dude, that vocal melody, come on. Oh, yeah. Come on. That's a that's a takeaway. That's a fucking takeaway song. This album ends and you can still take that melody away. That's Mm -hmm. they're a hardcore punk band. Like, I know. Not not since like not since like AFI's first records have there been like a hardcore punk band that is that is have had a takeaway like that. No way. (laughs) No fucking way. <laughs> no, there's none. I've listened to them all. There's none. Oh, you yes. Okay. Yes, God, all of them. There's been like seven. No, I know, I... None. None. Oh, it's unbelievable. But I I <laughs> I I I think it's about going through like the grind of life. The grind of life wondering if it's all if any of it's worth it. Because I think mm. I think it's just you know, like sometimes you just you get in these little funks and you're like, man, like I work and I do things and I pay things and I pretend to buy a house, but I don't really own my house. And there's all these, there's all these like, I don't know, they'll, they'll go into this later on too in the album. Mm-hmm. And I think these are, these are very basic premises that are being presented and they extrapolate really, really well on later on. But just like overall, you get in these little funks where you just like, is any of this fucking worth it? I go to the gym all these days, but I don't get to eat pizza. Like, is this even fucking worth it? Like, just these things. <laughs> and it's true. Yeah. Like, this is what this song is about. And he's talking about heaven here in the sense, but it's not It's not specifically heaven. It's just, it's an end game. He speaks of heaven as mm-hmm. being the end point because heaven is a good, everybody knows what fuck heaven is. Yeah. Christian, Whether Catholic or not. Or not you know what it is. Everybody knows the fuck heaven is. And so he speaks of heaven as an end game you work so hard to get to the end game, but then you think like, is the journey better than the destination at that point? Or is the destination better than the journey? And so Mm -hmm. I think that's what this song is about. This song is about being underwater and constantly trying to get above water and being, I don't know, feeling like you're drowning, feeling like you're drowning in the grind. I kind of go along with that as well. I I feel like it's him. I mean, it's straight up about his depression, but 
it's about how he feels nobody around him sees him really cares about him or cares about what he thinks or feels and and throughout the song you kind of see these suicidal ideations that he that he's kind of referencing to and i feel like that's what it is like he's especially when he's talking about heaven and that's him contemplating taking that step in that direction and that that's what i i mean our interpretations kind of they really line up with one another but in a slightly different way so it, I, it, it's about depression and i think suicide but i think like overall this is a a concept album musically and like lyrically i think this overall is a concept album just about mental health and and the state of mental health and even references like the pandemic and and being in quarantine and being isolated and feeling alone there's just yeah this entirety of this album is just about being sad but overall it'll be okay i think i yeah. think i think there's an overall underlying theme of but I'll be all right. Like today sucks, but tomorrow should be better. That type of mindset. I can see that too. I really can. I kind of wonder why. So it's underwater boy. What is it's spelled B O I. Yeah. Like fuck boy. It's funny. Is that, is that kind of what yeah. it is? Okay. It's good. I wasn't sure. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. Plus all these songs so are, are stylized in all caps. They're not. That's true too. Yeah. Like on the record, on the vinyls, on the CD, they're stylized in all caps. So like mysteries. All caps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does yeah. it mean something? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, probably not. They probably just thought it looked cool. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. So uh, do we got anything else on Underwater Boy? I don't. Okay. So that was your 2B, right? Yeah. 2B or not 2B. 2B. Oh, that's a bad reference. But uh, So my 2B is uh, Wild World. Ooh, Wild World. A little bit later into the record. Um, and this one just, there's just so much energy coming off of the last song or like going into this song. So like the, the song alien love call is a crazy weird song. It's another one of the, it's similar in this, it's similar to kind of similar to underwater boy in that it's not like a hardcore song. So you get that, that kind of like kind of more low. I don't even want to say lo-fi, but just calmer song. And then you jump right right into Wild World with that electronic percussion. I don't even want to say drum, but it's more of like an electronic percussion. And it just it just starts off with that and the guitars come in, everything just comes in. It's this great buildup of just great turnstile right there. And then and then randomly throughout the song you get you get that 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 same electronic percussion just perfectly placed in various parts of the song. I love I love Wild World. Just what it comes off of is just it it just gets you pumped. I love it. Any sort of percussion too gets me all crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, it. so like the percussive part in Wild World is that weird electronic cowbell thing that I mentioned earlier. the 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 beat to this, the sound of this, is like what you would what you would tap, right? Like if you're like goofing with your friends, you like ding ding, like a hot out heat style type yeah. of thing. Like it's so yeah. dumb. It's so fucking basic. It's so silly. But then they, they they church it up with their normal heavy punk stuffs, and when the bass starts, or like like that bass drum starts to hit, like you know things are going to come in hot, and that's oh, that's like man, the building so of what Turnstile does, of what like hardcore punk really does. They build on things like that, and they slowly get more and more and more aggressive, 
And then this song mm. drops. It drops heavy. It drops fast. And yeah, coming from like Alien Love Call, which is my 7B. Wild War is my 4B. Alien Love Call is my 7B. But going in, like coming off of that song, which is a fucking bizarre, amazing song. Yeah, I love it. That's just, my 6B too. It's just fucking weird. And I, I think Wild World and Dance Off are kind of in the same vein as like the disco and then time and space build up okay. type of yeah, thing. Yeah. Even though Dance Off is like an extension of Wild World, whereas like disco but, was an extension of time and space. I think Dance Off just furthers the sound from Wild World. I think Wild World is the meat, whereas Dance Off is the potatoes. Really? Like Wild, I mean, Dance Off is just... Dude, that's it's just so much. It's so it's much got lower. The cowbell. It does, but it doesn't. I mean, I think coming off of Wild World, Dance Off just kind of. I'm just like so like on a high after listening to Wild World. So when Dance Off comes on, it's obviously it's an amazing song, but it doesn't have that same punch that that Wild World does. So, I mean, it's my 13B, but that's not saying it's a bad song at all. I mean, Dance it's Off just, is is also my 12B. It's a lower, lower B for me. But I think, mm-hmm. like, lyrically, Wild World, Wild World. Wild well, World. it's a wild world. I think Wild World is about a, how stupid our society is. Like, this, the line mm-hmm. the line that I liked, he said, lost a friend to a fight that I'll never know. It's just like, how many fucking... Yeah. And this, th- again, this is coming out in the height of, of, like, the pandemic. They were writing this last year. They were recording mm-hmm. this last year. And that was that was like when society was horrible to each other. Instead of like embracing and, and, and being good to each other, we were so mean. And so any mean, kind so of divided, yeah. any kind of like disagreement on, on just simple stuff, on stupid shit, divided friends, like longtime friends. Like unfriend me now if you think this way. Unfriend me now if you think that way. And that's such a that's such a a final so statement childish. to make. It is. It's such a final statement to make where the mm-hmm. there's no middle ground at that point. And that that line yeah. lost a friend to a fight that I'll never know is is just so is so telling of our society at that time. But then mm-hmm. you transition to dance off, and dance off I think is an extension of that because this one is like is like one's acknowledging the differences and saying sometimes that it is okay to drift apart or cut ties with somebody because he throws the line out. I know we came in through the same door, but I don't live there anymore. So on the one yeah. hand, Wild World. It's kind of saying like there should be no definites, but then dance off is also saying like yes, even though I did say that there are times when you need to just cut people out of your life, and it's okay. It is a part of life. That's why I think dance off is an extension of it, but I do not in any way, shape, or form think it's on the same plane as Wild World. Yeah, musically it's not, but I, I get what you mean lyrically. Definitely, that I mean that makes perfect sense because I mean looking at the dance off lyrics again. And that cowbell, so it's good. That cowbell-like yeah. synthetic percussion sound is is translated from Wild World and goes into Dance Off. So, yeah. Dan- Dance Off also it reminded me a lot of um of Queens of the Stone Age. I know you're not a big Queensman, but uh, but th- just kind of the way it's kind of like tr- I don't want to say trudges along, but kind of like the beat is very reminiscent of of Queens of the Stone Age. The riff is very Queens, and I don't know. I just I, I think it's a great song, but it's definitely bottom tier on this record. But it does have that, that really awesome, like, thick bass line during the bridge. Mm. And then the, the Tom Morello-style, like, guitar playing, it's pretty cool. It's it's a great, 
it's a great thing that doesn't sound like it's a ripoff like we were talking about earlier. Anyway, let, let, let's get back to Wild. Let's play a little bit of Wild World because... Play it. Play that fucking it's, track. It's my 2B. Here we go. Wild World. There you go, Wild World from the Turnstiles, the second best song on the record. So, do we is that is that all we got on Wild World? Yeah. What do you think? Okay. That's good. Uh, I mean, we actually talked about way more about dance off than I thought we were going to talk about. So, that's um, so that's that done with. It's over. Yeah. So, what do you got for your three B? So this is this is kind of like when I'm getting into things that that could interchange like easily, easily. But I'm with you on that. For now, yeah. for now, on this listen through, because I listen to this album a lot since I've had it. Fuck. But know, for now, here. my 3B is TLC, Turnstile Love Connection. <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> yeah. Holy I just, shit, that's my 10B right here. Dude, I think that this is exactly what the latter part of this album needs. And coming yeah, off yeah. coming off of all of these songs, and, and New Heart Design, that's my 5B. So that not saying that's like mm-hmm. a bad song. I just I think that this the latter part of this album needed a fast, aggressive, turnstile song. It's just it's perfect fucking placement. And it's got great rap rock. It's got a great rap mm-hmm. rock part to it. And it's just it's just like, hey, we've done an album here up until this point that has been very different. Let's throw something a little bit familiar to you, but not for very long, because the next song, no surprise just an instrumental vocal song which is something they've <laughs> never fucking done yeah, yeah so god damn just i love the placement of tlc and i love the song title and i think i know what it's about and i like that so tlc is to me is it, it's my 10b this is uh this song is is i feel primarily there just to pump up the crowd because it has some of the most it has the fastest parts of the entire record on this song because the entire song is not a fast song. It does slow down. It does get heavy. It goes like halftime and it does get heavy, but the fast frantic parts are the most aggressive parts on the whole record, which is great. It, it, it's just, it's so rad. And one thing I've noticed, especially about this record 
is that most of the songs are very kind of formulaic and that they'll start out very fast and then you'll get, get about halfway through or three quarters of the way through and then it'll go halftime and then it'll be like a just heavy kind of trudging song. That's how a lot of the songs are structured, which I never, I, that's their I, I structure. Mean, that's what they've been doing is. since no, like is. the no. beginning. Yeah. But I've, I never noticed it. And then, you know, I listened to this record since it came out. I've listened to it maybe 12 to 15 times already. And, uh, and I've never really noticed it because when I'm listening to this, I just kind of, I'm just enjoying myself. Like I don't really think about it too deeply, but, uh, you know, after really diving into it, I realized, yeah, dude, all these songs are, man, they're structured the same, but it works so fucking well for them. That's what, like, that's not, what it's, they, it's not a knock on them at all. That's how they, like, again, that, that is how a band can keep, keep their essence, but also church up their music. And just sticking yeah. to a formula that works, and that's a basic, basic formula they've been doing since, you know, their their rhythm EP and then their their first album, they've been doing the same yeah. thing over and over and over. But churching it up a little bit is is something that they can that they can expand on and become like better, bigger. But mm-hmm. uh, dude, I don't know, man. TLC going right back to it, saying, "Hey, this is an album that is entirely different than what you what you expect from us." You may not like it, but here's a throwback. Here's a throwback. Here's something very generic. Here's something very, very what we are. And like lyrically, I think the song is just about like the boys in turnstile just being there for each other. Like a, this is a boy song. Yeah. Hanging with the homies. It's to get you pumped up. That's yeah. what the song is. And then, oh my God, dude, I love, I love when it hits the bridge and then there's just that, that one guitar, the, just the one guitar part but he's slightly bending the co- the 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 note or the chord and it's it's so subtle and it's so slight but that one little nuance right there just just does it for me on this fucking song i, I just will, I, it's so simple i will say that when i listen to this with headphones on cuz i listen to this on the vinyls like 10 to 15 times and i listen <laughs> to headphones in various rooms doing different things the guitar mm-hmm. does a lot more than I could pick up on listening on the vinyl. On the headphones, probably because the, I don't know, whatever, on Spotify, my, my mix is probably higher in the treble area than the bass. And so I'm picking up on, on, on a lot of the lead guitar parts. But yeah, the, the guitarist is, I don't think he's great, but he does a lot of little nuance that I didn't know was there because when i listen yeah. to my setup on the vinyl I'm, I'm it's very bass heavy it's very low and heavy and so i didn't pick up on these things but yes a lot of times especially the song the guitarist is doing little 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 things little things that elevates yeah. them and then and you know and also in the bridge of the song it, it, you get that that really cheesy 80s like electric electric tom drum or dr- electric drum tom, you know, yeah, the, it's very the, the synthetic fill, the fill going into it. Yeah, the fill going into the heavy yeah. part. It's so fucking 80s, but it should never work in this context. But fucking turnstile, make it work. I, I don't I don't get it. So um, I'm going to play a little bit of a TLC or otherwise known as turnstile love connection. So here we go.
There you go. A little bit of TLC, Turnstile Love Connection. All right. So is that all, is that all we have on, on this song, or what, what do you think? No, that's it. So then uh, that was your 3B, right? Uh, yeah, that was my 3B. All right. So my 3B is, fuck, where is it? Oh, it's uh, oh, it's Underwater Boy. That was my 3B. Water Boy. So then, oh, underwater yeah. so what Boy. So what do you got for Underwater Boy? So what do you got for your 4B? Uh, 4B was Wild World, and my 5B was Wild New Heart Design. My my four B is holiday. Should we kind of like wrap it up with my four B because we're kind of getting, yeah. What do you think? What do you no, think? No, the holiday, and then for sure I want to talk about a little bit of uh, new heart design. All right, so so holiday, uh, like I said, that's my four B. It's uh, it kind of it starts with this like electronic hi hat with a very quiet bass line, and then it just like throw. It just it goes it goes back into this like heavy throwback style from their first record um and and it's it's one of those riffs where it's heavy but it still kind of like walks along it's like i i can't even try to like mimic it but it's just kind of it's just so smooth and it walks with you and it just it's just heavy man i I love i love holiday you know there's so good even though this is like one of my later this is like a 13 for me that heavy bounciness is what you expect from like early AFI, like pH low, like let it be broke. Like these songs are very, very bouncy. Okay. They, they go back and forth and there's a lot of that in turnstile. They do that really well. And I, I think, I don't know. I, I think maybe there's, there's like some influence there because turnstile does that bounciness very well, that punk bounciness. And this song, mm. this song is fucking bizarre. It's, the intro is bizarre. It's weird. And the bass line is rad. And there's clapping here. And this so this song has like there's so many pop elements to this song, but it's bouncy and punk. And then yeah. dude, and then and then there's this then. massive bass slide towards the end of the song before it goes into like the outro. And it's just like it's so obnoxious. And it's it's it, it's almost like the bass player was like, No, I'm I'm doing it. No, I'm doing it. Otherwise I'm leaving. <laughs> And they say, okay, go ahead and do it. And it's like, Mrow! like from the top, yeah, I don't even, all the way down. I don't even remember that part. God damn, it's so good. Shit. It's a good song, dude. I I, I, I think this is a good banger song. of a song. Yeah. Good song. Good song, dong. <laughs> One of the first posy songs, too. Yeah, no, I would say so. Should we, uh, uh, let's, let's play a little bit of Holiday and then we'll we'll get more into Holiday the music and then um, the lyrics. Away. So here it is from Turnstile.
There you go. Holiday from the turnstiles. All right. What do you got lyrically on this one? Again, I think this is a posy song, a positive song, kind of the first on the album so far that's just kind of reassuring that you can be happy mm-hmm. and content sometimes. So like the whole thing of celebrating like it's a holiday, you know, should be fun and, and a joyous occasion, which is kind of like prevalent throughout the entire song. And then I noticed that he hits you with the last line. The last line, he says, like it's a holiday. Yeah. So up until then, he's been speaking in definites, right? Like it's a holiday. It is a holiday. But then the yeah. end, it's now like a hypothetical. And he's kind of, he, he casts his shadow of realness on this fake feeling of happiness that he's been spitting out throughout the entire song. He's He's almost like he's trying to, convince himself otherwise even though he knows that the shit sucks he's trying to convince himself that it doesn't i thought that was kind of cool so lyrically on this one i feel like it's the opposite i feel like this is this is him one of the or this on this record it's one of the the few times where he's talking about some sort of alcohol or substance abuse and he's using this particular whatever whatever it is alcohol or drugs to to create a sort of like fake holiday for himself. And like you were saying, like, like it sounds like it's all like he's speaking in, you know, absolutes, you know, and then at the end you, you do get the, like it's a holiday. Like you, you're, you trick yourself into thinking it's something better than it actually is. And I feel like this might be a struggle with whatever sort of substance abuse he has. See, I only, but I don't, I don't ever go towards the substance abuse thing because I only read, two interviews by somebody who was at a band practice with these guys this week. And both times the first guy said that he met the bass player outside of the rehearsal studio. And, you know, upon meeting him, the bass player was like smoking a cigarette. And before even like exchanging words, he just went in and gave the interviewee, any viewer, any viewer, a really big hug, just get like Mm -hmm. hugged him. And was like, Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Like, come on inside. And as he went inside, the interviewer noticed that nobody was like drinking. Nobody was drinking. Nobody was smoking. It was just they're all kind of sitting around just telling jokes and just being really, really happy. And then that that got me in the mindset of, okay, either A, these guys are recovering and they don't they don't do that stuff. They're straight edge type of thing. Or they just they're not they don't need it. And it's that's that's odd. It's un, it's unlikely in the scene, but it happens. In the other interview I read, a guy, kind of the same thing, met the band outside, and all of them were outside smoking. I, I guess like everybody in the music industry smokes too. That's I think that's kind of funny. But yeah. they were all smoking, and then one of them was drinking, and upon going inside, like the guy, the interviewer was not offered like alcohol, drugs or anything. They were there to goof around, tell jokes, fuck around and record music and just jam. And everything was very, very happy, very, very positive. And these bandmates were very open with each other about how they feel. If things sounded weird, if they didn't like something, they were very open Mm -hmm. about telling the other bandmate that they didn't like it but in a very like specific and respectful way. Like, I didn't like that you did this drummer. Mm. I didn't like that your beat sounded like this. Can you do <laughs> it differently? And I think that's what makes this band different is that the, they are that close. Like they are that close to where they can pick each other apart 
and and be very very specific on what they like and what they don't like without mm-hmm. the use of drugs and alcohol and and be like a fucking 80s hair metal band where they're chugging fifths every single rehearsal <laughs> and so that's why i don't lean into the alcohol and drug thing at all just based off of those two things and again that's two fucking interviewers based off of them going into a rehearsal with a band they are not close with. So I don't know, yeah. but that's the only reason why I don't lean into the drug and alcohol thing as often. I just think it's a very, I think these guys are just like an emo band, but just happen to play really aggressive, fucking great music. But we also know, I mean, we also know too, like in the hardcore scene can sometimes be pretty, uh, pretty straight edge. Like the hardcore straight edge thing is, it's a real scene it, or what, I mean, it still is, I guess, but not, nearly as big but where i was coming from like i am just so accustomed to to reading singers to reading about singers talking about you know getting broken up with you know the you know drinking to make it feel better to this or that you know it's just it's very rarely it's ever taken so innocently so that that, that, that's that's kind of the mindset i was in that's a good word is innocently because you're right. Like a lot of the hardcore bands from, from our era in that scene, there was a lot of straight edge going on and and the straight edge at that point. Wasn't like the, the minor threat Ian, Ian McKay, Ian McKay straight edge mm-hmm. where it was based out of like, fuck man, I got to stop doing this. It was just more based out of like a scene. Like it was cool to be straight edge whatever that's fine but now i think turnstile doesn't need to be straight edge i don't think they need to drink i don't think they need to don't drink i I think that like those things don't even intersect with each other i think yeah, turnstile is secondary i think turnstile is a band that really really enjoys being a band and if they happen to party they happen to party if they happen to stay up all night playing fucking mario kart i get that feeling from them i see that on stage when they're kind of goofing with each other in what little interviews I've seen with them where they're, they don't take anything fucking seriously, but at the same time they take like everything seriously. And it's just a weird, Mm. man, there's just like a weird hodgepodge of guys that got together and decided like, Hey, like again, I think these guys are very emo at heart. They, they are very into like the mental health aspect of society. Now they are very into calling out things for being wrong and uh, I think they're great. I don't know, man. I think this is my closing statement already. Is that what we're getting into? Oh, shit. I mean, I feel, we might as I feel well, this right? is leading up to it. So we're getting in there. <laughs> I know. I did. I did. Like I did want to bring up real quick. I did want to bring up new heart design. Okay. Yeah. Because that, that. that is my 5B. But I this is my 5B because I think this is the best bass playing, not just on this album, but anything they've ever done. I think this is the okay. best bass yeah. playing that Turnstiles ever put out. This is I, I, phenomenal. Yeah. I will say this is the one song I, I kind of touched upon it earlier where they they were really kind of influenced by the cure, it sounded like, and this was the song I was referring to. So this is my 7B, and I, and I will say the bass line in that verse, specifically the verse, is the, the best thing I ever heard from him. That bass line right there is just... It's unbelievable. It's fucking, it truly it's so is unbelievable. From a hardcore yeah. punk band. Like, dude, you go from yeah. nonstop feeling and then all of a sudden you throw down some chops like this. Like this is this is unbelievable. Like, like I have no words. It is unbelievable. And then the fucking dude has the balls to come out and have his own song. No surprise, right? He comes out <laughs> and spits so cool. no surprise, which is 
I, 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 no words. Again, I could not even fucking believe that this guy. Well, and then what's so cool about No Surprise is that, you know, it's like 40 seconds or something like that. And you think it's going to be like this long, this long kind of poetic thing that he's doing. But then it, it, it stops so abruptly that you kind of have to think like, did I accidentally press something on, yeah. on Spotify or something? And then it just gets into the last song. And you're like, it, it's, it just catches you so off guard, but it's okay. Like, it's just like, it adds to the, to kind of the, I don't know, the, the, the frantic hecticness of this band. Yeah. I guess so, yeah. Like, even when they're trying yeah. to be pretty, they're still frantic. I, I, I will agree with you on that. God damn, dude. Just new heart disease, or new heart disease. Fuck, I'm thinking of no effects. Um, bleeding new heart, heart design. <laughs> yeah, bleeding heart disease. Uh, new heart design, though. This is um, just, it's, it's, it's one of the most 80s songs on the entire record. Because of that bass line, because of the, the guitar tone, the whole guitar tone and the guitar line, is very very cure i'm not even a big fan of the cure at all but i recognize their influence on a lot of fucking music and that's kind of what i mean outside of um oh my god what is his fucking name robert smith robert smith yeah outside of robert smith the bass and guitar are just so unique to the cure and i feel like this song really picks up on that and is so influenced by the cure and i think it sounds great I'm not, a, I'm not even a Kierman. Not even no, a Kierman. That is that is true. So should we play New Heart Design and talk about lyrics and then wrap nah, it up? Nah, I mean, it's all, we can wrap it up. We can wrap nah. it up. We can wrap it up. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so let's give our let's give our final thoughts on this record. And then we're going to uh, rate the record with our uh, world-famous three-point rating system where three is a perfect album. Uh, two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to. One is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is a, a trash fire. So, what are your final thoughts? Go. You know, it's very it's very rare that a band can be so connected, just like mentally, physically, emotionally, on a level where they just vibe very, very well, and then output an album that is equally as good. And and like Dude Ranch from Blinks from the Blinks One Eighty Twos is like the last time that I think. I mean, the, the only time that Mark and Tom really vibed well on the same page. Afterwards, it got a little weird and whatever, and Travis was involved. But, like, Dude Ranch is, is just pure, 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 mm-hmm. pure. Turnstile is a band that has been doing Dude Ranch over and over and over and over. <laughs> I think these are, dude, I think this group of guys just, like, God, fucking, they vibe so well with each other, and they're just... I don't know, dude. They seem they seem so connected on like some weird spiritual plane where how like twin people always talk about how twins won't talk to each other for years and then they'll both each twin will pick up the phone and try and call the other at the same time. That kind of weirdness. Yeah. That yeah. kind of connectivity. I think Turns Out just has that. I think no matter what, these guys can do no wrong. And I say that because they have three albums where they did no wrong. And even Time and Space, which is both of our least favorite, is damn near perfect fucking album. It's no, so it goddamn good. Yeah. It's just, I feel like this album is just, I'm so blown away by how different it is. And, and yes, we fight a lot about just because something is different doesn't make it good or bad. But fuck, man, this is, this is one of those times where a band has made something so different from what their norm is. 
and really, really just hit it out of the park. Just yeah. crushed it. Surprised everybody. Brought something to the scene that has never, ever been there. The hardcore punk scene has never seen anything like this, as far as I know. I'm not heavy into the hardcore scene, but I'm going to pretend yeah. like I am. The hardcore punk scene has never <laughs> seen anything like this before. And there are a lot of haters out there, and it fucking irritates me because I I just feel like they're missing the point. I really do. Yeah. And, I feel like and, they're, they're just so stuck in their ways. Yeah, absolutely. Of how something should sound. Yeah. Absolutely, they're they're all they're all Tyler's out there, and so I think that that uh, I don't know, man. This is this is a banger of an album, and I'm still on a high because I just got this and it just came out. But um, this is this is the perfect album. This is a three. This is a three oh out God. of three. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I will say this album. I think nonstop feeling are both perfect threes. Really? Okay. I can't. I'm. I'm still very surprised you threw this up above nonstop. Dude, it was just. It was so weird. It was so fucking weird, and it wasn't I weird know. for like the sake of being weird. It was like well crafted weird. And again, like my favorite yeah. part of this album is the bass playing. That is like one hundred percent my favorite part. My second favorite part is the production. It is very. Um, the the production is very like late eighties, early nineties sounding. So killer, killer, killer. It is so. Um, doom, my final doom, thoughts, doom, real quick. Doom, 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 doom. <laughs> no, I'm not playing. I'm not playing it just yet because I haven't got my final thoughts yet. So, oh my god, I sneeze. So like, I'm all over the place now. Lost my train of thought. Fucking, I might as well fucking play it, right? I guess so. Jesus Christ. So yeah, yeah. My final thoughts on on Turnstile. This is something that really caught me off guard and. I remember hearing a couple songs prior to its release and I thought, oh man, this is going to be kind of lame. I wasn't really, I wasn't very excited for it, but once I heard it and once I heard it in its entirety, I just, dude, it it fucking blew me away. I I just, I think this record is, it's so different. Like we were saying, I'm just going to pretty much repeat what you said. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go too far into that, but I mean, you and I are, we, we rarely do it, but we're on this fucking same page on this record. Except I rank this second rather than number one for their records. But outside of that, we're pretty much on the same page. And I'm going to give this a perfect three out of three. There's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing fucking wrong with it. And I cannot get enough of it. I cannot stop listening to it. <laughs> it's so, so annoying. It is. It, it's fucking. And I, I not only do I listen on a vinyl, but I also listen to it, you know, when I'm driving around all over town. Like, I, I just cannot stop with this record. It's so fucking good. And that's how I was with Nonstop Feeling. It was the same thing. I could not stop with that record. So that's all I got. Uh, you have anything else? Uh, that's it. Okay. So uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Go uh, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I got, I got nothing else. So that's it. That's all. I try you never did anything great except for for butterfly buttholes and whatever it's called <laughs> butthole kisses whatever I kept calling it something that episode